Chapter Seven of *The Conquest of Canaan* by Booth Tarkington. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: Give a Dog a Bad Name. The passing of Joseph from Canaan was complete. It was an evanishment for which there was neither sackcloth nor surprise. And though there came no news of him, it cannot be said that Canaan did not hear of him for surely it could hear itself talk. The death of Jonas Tabor and young Loudon's crime and flight incited high doings in the national house windows. Many days the sages lingered with the broken meats of morals left over from the banquet of gossip. But after all, it is with the ladies of the community that reputations finally rest, and the matrons of Canaan had long ago made Joe's exceedingly uncertain now they made it certain they did not fail of assistance the most powerful influence in the town was ponderously corroborative martin pike who stood for all that was respectable and financial who passed the plato sundays who held the fortunes of the town in his left hand who was trustee for the widow and orphan martin pike patron of all worthy charities courted by ministers feared by the wicked and idle revered by the good judge martin pike never referred to the runaway save in the accents of an august doomster his testimony settled it in time the precise nature of the fugitive's sins was distorted in report and grew vague it was recalled that he had done dread things he became a tradition a legend and a warning to the young a richard in the bush to frighten colts he was preached at boys caught playing marbles for keeps do you want to grow up like joe loudon the very name became a darkling threat and children of the town would have run had one called suddenly here comes joe loudon thus does the evil men do live after them and the ill fame of the unrighteous increase when they are sped very little of joseph's adventures and occupations during the time of his wandering is revealed to us he always had an unwilling memory for pain and was not afterwards wont to speak of those years which cut the hard lines in his face the first account of him to reach canaan came as directly to the windows of the national house as mr arp hastening thither from the station satchel in hand could bring it this was a september morning two years after the flight and eskew it appears had been to the state fair and had beheld many things strangely affirming his constant testimony that this unhappy world increaseth in sin strangest of all his meeting with our vagrant scallywag of canaan not a blame bit of doubt about it declared eskew to the incredulous concave there was that joe and nobody else stuck up in a little box outside a tent at the fairgrounds and selling tickets to see the spotted wild boy yes it was joe loudon think you mr arp could forget that face those crooked eyebrows had eskew tested the recognition had he spoken with the outcast had he not ay but with such peculiar result that the battle of words among the sages began with the true onset of the regulars for according to eskew's narrative 
when he had delivered grimly at the boy this charge i know you you're joe louden the extraordinary reply had been made promptly and without change of countenance positively no free seats on this the house divided one party maintaining that joe had thus endeavored to evade recognition the other to the embitterment of mr arp that the reply was a distinct admission of identity and at the same time a refusal to grant any favors on the score of past acquaintanceship goaded by inquiries mr arp who had little desire to recall such waste of silver admitted more than he had intended that he had purchased a ticket and gone in to see the spotted wild boy halting in his description of this marvel with the unsatisfactory and acrid statement that the wild boy was simply spotted and the stung query i suppose you know what a spot is squire when he came out of the tent he had narrowly examined the ticket seller who seemed unaware of his scrutiny and when not engaged with his tickets applied himself to a dirty law-looking book it was joe louden reasserted eskew a little taller a little paler incredibly shabby and miraculously thin if there were any doubt left his forehead was somewhat disfigured by the scar of an old wound such as might have been caused by a blunt instrument in the nature of a poker what's the matter with you mr arp whirled upon uncle joe davy who was enjoying himself by repeating at intervals the unreasonable words couldn't have been joe without any explanation why couldn't it shouted eskew it was you think my eyes are as fur gone as yours i saw him i tell you the same ornery joe louden run away and selling tickets for a sideshow he wasn't even the boss of it the manager was about the meanest-looking human i ever saw and most humans look mighty mean according to my way of thinking riffraff of the riffraff are his friends now same as they were here weeds and he's a weed always was and always will be him and his kind ain't any more than jimpsons overrun everything if you give em a chance devil flowers they have to be hoed out and scattered even then like as not they'll come back next year and ruin your plantin once more that boy joe will turn up here again some day you'll see if he don't he's a seed of trouble and iniquity and anything of that kind is sure to come back to canaan mr arp stuck to his prediction for several months then he began to waver and evade by the end of the second year following its first utterance he had formed the habit of denying that he had ever made it at all and finally having come to believe with all his heart that the prophecy had been deliberately foisted upon him and put in his mouth by squire buckaloo became so sore upon the subject that even the hardiest dared not to refer to it in his presence eskew's story of the ticket-seller was the only news of joe louden that came to canaan during seven years another citizen of the town encountered the wanderer however but under circumstances so susceptible to misconception that in a moment of illumination he decided to let the matter rest in a golden silence this was mr bantry having elected an elaborate course in the arts at the university which was of his possessions 
what more natural than that eugene should seek the metropolis for the short easter vacation of his senior year in order that his perusal of the masters should be uninterrupted but it was his misfortune to find the metropolitan museum less interesting than some intricate phases of the gaiety of new york phases very difficult to understand without elaborate study and a series of experiments which the discreetly selfish permit others to make for them briefly eugene found himself dancing one night with a young person in a big hat at the straw cellar a crowded hall down very deep in the town and not at all the place for eugene acute cries are to be expected at the straw cellar and eugene was the only one present who was thoroughly surprised when that of this night arrived though all of the merrymakers were frightened when they perceived its extent there is no need to detail the catastrophe it came suddenly and the knife did not flash sick and thinking of himself eugene stood staring at the figure lying before him upon the reddening floor a rabble fought with the quick policeman at the doors and then the lights went out extinguished by the proprietor living up to his reputation for always being thoughtful of his patrons the place had been a nightmare it became a black impossibility eugene staggered to one of the open windows from the sill of which a man had just leaped don't jump said a voice close to his ear that fellow broke his leg i think and they caught him anyway as soon as he struck the pavement it's a big raid come this way a light hand fell upon his arm and he followed its leading blindly to find himself pushed through a narrow doorway and down a flight of tricky wooden steps at the foot of which silhouetted against a street light a tall policeman was on guard he laid masterful hands on eugene shh mac whispered a cautious voice from the stairway that's a friend of mine and not one of those you need he's only a student and scared to death hurry said the policeman under his breath twisting eugene sharply by him into the street after which he stormed vehemently on your way both of you move on up the street don't be trying to poke your heads in here ye'll be more anxious to get out once you get in i tell you a sob of relief came upon bantry as he gained the next corner the slight figure of his conductor at his side you had better not go to places like the straw cellar said the latter gravely i've been watching you for an hour you were dancing with the girl who did the cutting eugene leaned against a wall faint one arm across his face he was too ill to see or care who it was that had saved him i never saw her before he babbled incoherently never 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 i thought she looked handsome and asked her if she'd dance with me then i saw she seemed queer and wild and she kept guiding and pushing as we danced until we were near that man and then she then it was all done before yes said the other she's been threatening to do it for a long time jealous mighty good sort of a girl though in lots of ways only yesterday i talked with her and almost thought i'd calmed her out of it but you can't tell with some women they'll brighten up and talk straight and seem sensible one minute and promise to behave and mean it too and the next there they go making a scene cutting somebody or killing themselves you can't count on them but that's not to the point exactly i expect you'd better keep away from the straw cellar if you'd been caught with the rest you'd have had a hard time 
and they'd have found out your real name too because it's pretty serious on account of your dancing with her when she did it and the canaan papers would have got hold of it and you wouldn't have been invited to judge pikes any more eugene eugene dropped his arm from his eyes and stared into the face of his stepbrother joe louden he gasped i'll never tell said joe you'd better keep out of all this sort you don't understand it and you don't you don't do it because you care he smiled wanly his odd distorted smile of friendliness when you go back you might tell father i'm all right i'm working through a law school here and remember me to norbert flitcroft he finished with a chuckle eugene covered his eyes again and groaned it's all right joe assured him you're as safe as if it had never happened and i expect he went on thoughtfully i expect maybe you'd prefer not to say you'd seen me when you go back to canaan well that's all right i don't suppose father will be asking after me exactly no he doesn't said eugene still white and shaking don't stand talking i'm sick of course returned joe but there's one thing i would like to ask you your father's health is perfect i believe it it is it, something else joe stammered pitifully are they all are they all all right at judge pike's quite eugene replied sharply are you going to get me away from here i'm sick i tell you this street said joe and cheerfully led the way five minutes later the two had parted and joe leaned against a cheap restaurant signboard drearily staring after the lamps of the gypsy night-cab he had found for his stepbrother eugene had not offered to share the vehicle with him had not even replied to his good night and joe himself had neglected to do something he might well have done he had not asked eugene for news of ariel tabor it will not justify him entirely to suppose that he assumed that her grandfather and she had left canaan never to return and therefore eugene knew nothing of her no such explanation serves joe for his neglect for the fair truth is that he had not thought of her she had been a sort of playmate before his flight a friend taken for granted about whom he had consciously thought little more than he thought about himself and easily forgotten not forgotten in the sense that she had passed out of his memory but forgotten none the less she had never had a place in his imaginings and so it befell that when he no longer saw her from day to day she had gone from his thoughts altogether End of chapter seven